Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today we have William Stepp, Director of Schools with Cumberland County Schools, as our guest. Cumberland County Schools are located in the beautiful mountains of Crossville, Tennessee. Welcome again, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, the Vice President of Plexus, and I'm very happy today to have Billy Stepp with us from the Cumberland County School District in Upper Cumberland, Tennessee, between uh, Knoxville and Nashville. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Almost dead center. Just <laughs> uh, we, we were chatting about that before. Regionally, I, I love my geography and I love to know where things are. So um, I don't think I've driven through that part of the country. I've driven through Kentucky North and Nashville South and probably Eastern North Carolina, but not your particular area. And it sounds like this time of year could be beautiful there. It is beautiful. You were right on the I-40. So mm. if you go through the state of Tennessee, we're part of those towns right on I-40. But we have a beautiful, it's, it's probably the fifth largest county in the state of Tennessee. Mm. So it's very okay. expansive, but we're right on top of the mountain. We have Black Mountain. We have Cumberland Mountain State Park. We have all kinds of just beautiful outdoors, Ozone Falls. I mean, there's just tons of just beautiful area out here, and the trees are wonderful right now. Red, orange, green. It's just amazing. Uh, right out in the middle of the country. It's, it's a beautiful county. That's, I, I was, that's awesome. I was reading something about there's like a, something that's a thousand feet deep, a grassy cove or something. I don't know, just trying to get a feel for the area. So it sounds yeah, like there's some absolutely. steep valleys and stuff there too. Absolutely. Grassy Cove is east going towards Spring City. So okay. we'll ride Highway 70 out that way. And once you go down into that valley, it's beautiful. I know as a kid, uh, we would go out. There's a couple of caves out there that we could sneak into and do a little caving. So it's just a beautiful country, and Grassy Cove is beautiful, too. It's a completely different look than the mountainside, so it's it's beautiful here. Yeah, that piqued my interest. I was like, oh, okay, I like it. And I also understand that you are from that area. That's born and raised, is that right? Yes, sir. My dad and mom moved here back in 68, so they were they were on their honeymoon. So they lived in, in uh, Indiana, okay. Lowell, Indiana. My dad was a band director there. And mom helped him out and they, they had their, uh, they got married while they were in college. So they didn't have a honeymoon. So they gotcha. ended up having a honeymoon. They drove right through Cumberland County to head to Florida. And that's where my mom's parents lived. And, uh, the funny thing is there was a posting for a band director in Crossville. They've <laughs> never been here before. So they drove through my dad applied and went down, did their honeymoon. And back then it was camping and fishing so <laughs> dad in Florida and then as they came back through, dad stopped and met with the superintendent at the time, and he was hired as a band director. So they moved from Lowell, Indiana, down to Crossville, and uh, I grew up here until about fourth grade, and then my dad got out of education and went to Texas, so we lived in South Texas for a while, which was okay. great. I loved it there, and then moved back my junior year in high school to Cumberland County High School, and I did my last two years of high school here and graduated from here, and then I left for 30 years, but my parents still lived here in Lake Tansy. That's another area here that's absolutely beautiful. It's, mm, like, mm. it's kind of south of Crossville, and uh, they lived here up until about three years ago, and then they moved. They built right next door to me down uh, down the mountain in another county, so uh, so then I, I interviewed for this job and got it, and my mom was like, what are you doing? We just moved down here next to you. <laughs> And I was just like, well, mom, it's just it, opportunity came and that's right. Cumberland County, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of great things here and a lot of great opportunities and potential. They're already doing some great things. So I thought, 
hmm, why not? Let's check it out. And it, it worked out. It was great. So, Oh, I love it. I mean, to hear even your parents going to Florida pre-Disney, right? That was even before Disney World was open. Correct. Absolutely. It was. So big changes there. And when, when you left and went to Texas for those years and came back, had much change. Like what, what were the, some of the changes you saw? And then I know you left and you've come back. We've been there three years now, or is it just about two? July one. So I've been here approximately what, maybe five months. Five okay. Months. Okay. So <laughs> just now starting. So I'm brand new, <laughs> but it feels like home. I'm sure it does. I know Larry very well. So I get to drive around a lot and memories. And then there's places i as a kid never went to and i was like wow this is great there's a lot of more a lot more cool places to go visit and hike and do some fun stuff outdoors oh that's great you know i understand too you were in putnam county prior to this and you're also you were in music is that correct yes sir so beginning of my career was music and i taught music like my father did taught band uh Ended up moving around a little bit and um, went to Florida State, got my master's degree, came back to Rutherford mm-hmm. County. Then I ended up in Putnam County as a band teacher. And then uh, uh, after a while, kind of got coerced into looking at leadership. So <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting transition. So, And what's your instrument? A trombone was my major instrument. And okay. uh, I don't play it much anymore. I'm also the commander of the uh, Tennessee National Guard Army Band in Nashville oh. see right now. So I currently serve as the chief warrant officer for that. So that's my music fix now is I get to go up there on different weekends and do ceremonies or uh, civilian concerts or anything like that. So I still get a little bit of a music fix. So it's that that's the nice part about that gig. Hey, hey, but you're the director. So you're up there doing your thing. When is concert band? Yes. And the rest <laughs> of the time I run operations. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Once I became a, a warrant officer, they kind of kicked me out of all the other groups. They said, this is, this is our job. You need to run the show. So, <laughs> so uh, when it's concert band, I'll direct, or if we're running a parade, I'll run the parade. But other than that, I just have a great group of soldiers that are just amazing musicians. So it's mm. a lot of fun. That, that's really cool. Cause you know, if you think about music and how influential it was in your life with your dad and then you and your family, it probably still is, isn't it? The arts and music and everything. Oh, absolutely. I believe the fine arts can take students to a whole different learning level. So it's great to see that grow. I know when I was in uh, Baxter at Upperman, one of the big pushes was fine arts. And mm. I see a lot of the great things we're doing in fine arts in Cumberland County, especially the visual arts and music and all that is starting to really blossom here. So it's great to see that. I love that. You know, my aside of my, both my daughters are big musicians my daughter played the cello for years and my other daughter sings and just got selected for honor had to try out for honor choir and one of the things i noticed was so i was watching them get ready for these tryouts and you know oftentimes you see athletes on the side of the field being nervous excitement for the game like these kids were focused they were talking about what to do and how to nail it and the different tonality and what pitch and I was just, first of all, I never get to see that. You don't see that side of music much. And it was impressive to see. Yeah. Putting the fundamentals all together, you really have to focus on that interdependence of music knowledge and your music ability so that you can become independent. 
And that's that's the goal in any uh, high school program is you want those students to become independent musicians yeah. so they can go out and use it. I mean, play at churches or play gigs. And I've had a very few students, but I, I got a few former students traveling with country music artists now. OK, that type of stuff. But that takes a you know, that's a different you have to be on a different level, just like in athletics, about one percent get to that level where you make money doing that type of job. But it is a lot. And there's certain kids that just mentally they grasp onto it and can handle all those intricacies of performance because playing music, if it's not perfect, a lot of people don't want to hear it. You know how that is. So. Yeah, that's true. You're like, Oh, who did this? And they could be amazing. But you're just like, this is not working. Yeah. There's a reason they invented auto tune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That always makes me laugh when you're like, this is definitely auto tuned and you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so you are new to the director of schools. In general, or just within Cumberland County? Uh, this is my very first director of schools job. So okay. this, I spent 13 years as a principal in Putnam County. Okay. Uh, I was at uh, Upperman Middle School and then Upperman High School. So um, <clears throat> had a great time there, wonderful people there, and was excited when this opportunity came up. And there were several other Upper Cumberland opportunities open, but this one, I you know, spent part of my childhood here, graduated here. It's one of those things where I really feel I got a lot to contribute to the community and the community is already thriving and doing well. So it just seemed like the right time for me to jump in and and try out this type of position. I love it. And I know um, director of schools and superintendent, those can be used interchangeably in Tennessee or are they are they different animals? So in Tennessee, up until 1992, uh, the superintendent was elected. So that's okay. a position and that's still prevalent in a lot of states, but yes. currently it's not elected. So in 1992, they changed the law and it went from elected to hired or appointed by the school boards. God, but they okay. changed the word superintendent in the law to director. So okay. The director of schools uh, comes in, but we still have like the Tennessee Organization of School Superintendents. You know, sure. we still have those type of organizations that still use the terminology superintendent. But when they it's interchangeable just because of that law in 92. I gotcha. The pesky law likes yeah. to force changes on us. And you I still have a board you work with, correct? Yes, I have same nine, structure. Okay. Same structure. I have nine bosses, correct? So it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. They're great. It's been an excellent experience up here. And I, I've really enjoyed working with each of them in their communities. So as a principal, you would probably work with the board a little bit or be called in to deal with board issues from time to time. And now that you're in the shoes of the person who's hired by the board and works with and for the board, what changes and growth have you seen in yourself just in that time? Well, when I was a principal, I stayed in contact with elected officials for my, my school that those two or three districts. Right. So I stayed in contact with them constantly. They helped with school. Uh, fun stuff, judging doors at homecoming stuff. But they also, we stayed in contact just to make sure we were ahead of any issues that might come up. And we were all aware so that when their constituents called, they weren't surprised. Right. So that part is very similar as a director of schools. I have nine different bosses and they all have their own constituents in their community in their district. So I need to listen to each of them. I need to communicate daily. So I keep a text chain where I send great news or I send concerns or something that's going on that they might get a phone call from one of their uh, constituents or parents. And I want to make sure that they're able to go, yes, Mr. Step is on that. This is what we're doing. 
And I don't want them to be blindsided at all by anything. So I try to communicate daily with them. I'm on the phone a lot with them. They've all been incredible partners. I mean, that's my goal is just to be a partner with the board because I am their one employee and I want to make sure that I'm following their intent so that when I work with the school system, who is my employees, that we're staying within the intent of the elected officials. Building that bridge, keeping that open mind. And Absolutely. will you be working on strategic plans with them as well? And you're, since you're new there, will you lay down a new five-year plan and that kind of thing too? Yes, sir. So we're going to start that process here probably the next month. Their strategic mm. plan came up here in 2022 from uh, two directors ago. It was a five-year plan. So we'll start building that structure and that framework. Um, I'm kind of starting off of the integrated school policy. We started there. We're looking at that and then an okay. integrated school framework. And then, of course, that aligns with the innovative school grants coming out in Tennessee, which I think Cumberland County will see a little over $6 million in that. So we're trying to tie the strategic plan and all that framework together so that we can provide the absolute best future for our students. Now, with the grant money that you're seeing that you mentioned, because that's you always go, oh, $6 million. How are you going to spend that? You don't have to get into the details. So did you have to apply specifically with priorities to get that grant? So that is something that was uh, assigned to schools by the state of Tennessee. Okay. So each high school gets a million dollars. Middle schools get 500000 And we're in the middle of our grant right now and writing that framework to, to turn into the state of Tennessee to be approved on how we're going to use that. But to give you an example, our previous innovative school grant we focus that mostly on aviation and career technical education. Okay. We have a couple of aviation classrooms with uh, five or six simulators in it. And then the Redbird simulator, which is the full simulator with all the instrument panels and the uh, three or four screens where you can see around. And that program is set up so that um, they can fly out of Crossville Airport or any airport. But the instructor, instructor can also, through an app, give them different engine failures or fog or weather. But we have several students that have already gotten their pilot's license before they get out of high school. Cause there is a pilot shortage across the U S. Oh yeah. That's yeah. why we kind of focused on that. And we have a local regional airport that's starting to flourish and have a lot more businesses coming in actually at the airport. So what, what we worked on, what they worked on originally was getting that program up at both high schools. And now we have some students with pilot's license before they graduated then they'll work on their instrument license and then commercial licenses after that. So we've given them a real head start in getting out and getting into that career. If that's the direction they want to go. We have some that went to MTSU uh, working through their aviation programs there too. So they'll have bachelor's degrees and be able to get right out in the workforce. So it's a neat program that was set up with our original innovative school grant. I like that MTSU middle Tennessee state, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Just for those listening that don't know MTSU. (laughs) So, so you, that's what they did prior. That's really interesting that they would develop that kind of infrastructure and that's there to stay. So anyone, so is it open for anyone or primarily the high school students, the aviation tech students right now, but we are pushing CTE down into middle schools. Oh, nice. Yeah. Family consumer science, those types we're pushing down to the sixth grade. So that's part of their rotation for their um, special courses or elective courses uh, 
so that those students can start seeing that. And what we're creating right now is a career exploration framework and mm. curriculum that'll go K-12. So we really want to push all that down into the elementary schools so that when they get to high school, they're ready to get out into the workforce, either work-based learning, internships, degree programs with uh, dual enrollment with any of our local universities or Tennessee Tech, four-year university, uh, UT, whichever whichever program that they feel that they fit in. TCAT also. Which is right down the street, right? TCAT? Yes, sir. It's right down the street from one of our high schools. So that's, that's a very awesome resource that we have that I'd like to tap into more. I'd like to really fill them up. So I, I love that. I mean, this, the universities and the knowledge base and the school districts coming together. I mean, it really is kind of what makes everything run. And I know that um, I, I was reading some stuff about some collaborations with with different school districts that people do with the universities and looking at the career exploration tech form as well as the college pathways. Yeah, that's the direction we're going. We're working on uh, collecting information and coming up with a great plan to present to all of our partners here, including mm-hmm. the members of chamber companies yeah. in town. We're looking at kind of a bigger picture global view of how we can uh, educate our students, get them ready for the workforce or college, whichever that they prefer, and then get them in that environment before they graduate. So they have a step up before they get out of high school. You know, it's incredible. Is it? I remember being in school, you hear about these things happening, but you know, as, as career professionals like ourselves, you, you start to see the way you put things in to shape the education and help with what's needed locally and nationally and internationally so you can have your kids be prepared to have options. And it sounds like from what you're doing too, is you're creating those things and putting them in place again for not only, you know, the high schoolers now, but for those kindergartners that will be high schoolers. Yeah. And we're in our baby steps. You know, I just started here July one. So I'm doing a lot of assessing, a lot of learning community programs. Yeah. Uh, all those programs that serve our children that aren't actually in the schools, but help support those. So I'm still assessing everything, but that's the direction we want to go. We want everyone involved um, in developing those programs for the students to get out into either dual enrollment or those companies while they're still in high school. Yeah, I would imagine, as you said, as you assess things and, um, you know, being a, a new director of schools in Cumberland, what what opportunities do you see in front of you? I know you talked about the CTE down in middle schools. What other things are you working with the board or what are you hearing from your principals? Hey, what opportunities are you going to lay out? Are you thinking about? Well, actually, we're hearing a lot from the kids. You know, the mm. students, they, they love the career exploration until they get to high school. And then they're like, put us out there. Why keep us inside? And we still studying these careers and we're not doing those careers. So that's where a lot of the voice is coming from. The students are ready. The students want to get out there. And with the way our system is set up with our two high schools, we have those opportunities. We just have to create the openings for the students to step into. So we're real excited about that. And that's where you probably hand in hand with the chamber, right? And the, uh, the board to go, if we're getting these kids ready, we need to have places for them. Correct. So that's where we're creating the groundwork right now, the foundation to that. So that's the goal where we want to be. And right now I'm speaking to all these partners, trying to connect dots and make them aware of my vision and that it can be the community's vision and be a huge benefit, not just for the students, 
but for all these companies and the community in general. Yeah. What is the main industry in your area? Uh, we have several uh, industries going on. We've had some new industry move in. So Whisper is in here where they make electric uh, uh, airplanes and that sort of oh. stuff. Oh, yeah. We also yeah. have Co-Links. We have two mm. different ceramic tile places. There's just a lot of industry in here uh, that's moved into the upper Cumberland and actually Cumberland County. That has just been great. We even have a Bucky's now. So that's a big deal. <laughs> I think I've watched the YouTube video. The people that go to Bucky's in Texas is massive one. It is like, massive here too. So that was a big <laughs> deal here. Uh, there was a big grand opening a few months ago and, and they've been incredible partners. And we just added a Chick-fil-A in town. That was a huge, big deal. That's so that, nice. It, it, we're expanding slowly in this County and it's great. It's all positive. So, you know, I was talking to um, Arnie Bunch, the new superintendent over in cross County. I guess he's been there a year or so. And he was talking how Morristown is seems to be rural, but it's nice. Like it's actually a pretty industrial area in the state. And from what you're talking about, so I think there's so many pockets in Tennessee that have these real incredible industry and opportunities for students, not only to get great education, but to get jobs and stuff afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Cumberland County is super attractive to companies. I mean, this is the lowest tax County in the state of Tennessee currently. So they really pride themselves on creating environments and uh, an area for companies to move in and utilize our resources here, which in turn is my job of getting students ready for those uh, opportunities when the companies move in. That's very, very true. You know, there's so many things you could do. And I know your high schools, you have two high schools, is that correct? Uh, we have three actually. Have three. We have Stone Memorial High School, which has about a thousand yeah. students. And then we have Cumberland County High School, which is a little under a thousand students. Okay. We have a smaller school called Phoenix, and it's it's uh, set up as a smaller environment for students that work better in those smaller environments. So it's oh, okay, okay, smaller, gotcha. Yeah, much smaller high school, but it, it it's also one of our high schools. Those are decent sized high schools, a thousand students. You know, it means a lot going on probably a ton of parent involvement. Um, when, when you look at your graduation rates, not, not, not just college, but graduation rates for those high schools, are they where you want them to be as a district? You guys look at opportunities? Well, we're always looking at a hundred percent graduation rate. That, that's a good yeah. You got to go for every child to be successful. Yeah. The only way we can do that is really zeroing in on all those uh, things that will help the students become better citizens. And if we can zero in on those, keep the students engaged in school and want to be in school, and that's where this internships or work-based learning and all that stuff comes in, is we'll give them the opportunities to stay in school and graduate with their cohorts to increase our graduation rate, which right now is between 90 and 91 percent. We'd love for that to be 100 percent. So that's going to be a, a hyper focus by both or all three high schools. That's incredible. I mean, I know that in, in the midst of the conversations I've had with superintendents, she's so many right now is, you know, when they look at 93, 95%, that's one of the baselines they want to get to. And most seem to be right in that range. Um, seems like statistically, that's the range in general. So that means there's that little pocket. You're like, okay, how can we get them through? How can we, how can we help them? And, um, you know, they're just as critical. That last 10% is just the regular, the 90, right? 
Absolutely. You really have to get in the weeds there and find out what makes a student want to be there. How are they going to be? I want to be at school. I want to finish. I want to create opportunities for myself outside of high school. And that's that engagement piece. I really believe if you can get in there, keep their interest, keep them engaged. It doesn't matter if it's CTE, dual enrollment, just whatever their interest is. If we feed them, they will stay with us and they will graduate. But we really got to be attentive to those needs at the high school level. A lot of times when they become teenagers, we kind of start dealing with them, grading them by responsibility. And I think sometimes we need to step back and go, we really need them to be successful. We don't need to um, punish them or hold them, you know, completely accountable where they fail. We need to find some sort of structure, intervention that we can do with those children where they learn the responsibility, but they also learn the material or they complete the task and they're able to graduate. So I think that's very important. You know, I like that you said that because I think you're right. We, it's, it's easier said than done, isn't it? It is. I went through that situation when I was in, uh, at Putnam County as a principal. I came in to a situation where we kind of had to change the culture where mm-hmm. you know, I had a lot of teacher interventions and teachers needed a lot of student interventions. And it really works once you once you tighten the screws up and learn what each child needs. And I've always said, you know, if we all just are attentive to all their needs, we will get them to school. But we have to be attentive to every child. And my experience was my first year as a high school principal, we had 130, 140 in credit recovery. Well, I immediately go, that's a red flag for me because there was only 800 kids in the school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, wow, We got to change our focus. So we began providing a lot more student intervention um, right there in the classroom by the teacher. My second year, we got it down to about 36 or 40 credit recovery. The year before COVID, which was my third year, we had it down to three people in credit recovery. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was great. And we were reward school that year and, and just had a lot of growth uh, within that that one year from, from the first year I was there. So it really works being attentive to all the ch- child's needs is really a hard focus that if teachers will get into and start learning their kids. It'll be a great success. Did you see that the teachers responded positively to that as well? Um, it was a struggle because, you know, at the high school level, a lot of times we like to grade by responsibility. Right. And a lot of times we don't know what their home life is, or we don't know what they're going through and we don't know why they're sleeping in class that day. There's a lot of other variables that could be going on. So that's where we just had to dig deep, start learning who the kids were that have those, uh, issues and help them to succeed, which means we have to provide interventions, other opportunities for them to complete work uh, that they not, may not necessarily get 100% credit, but at least we're not quitting on the child. And that's my biggest thing. Get them to learn the content. Don't quit. So even when I suspended kids, they still had to do the work. There were still that wasn't automatic <laughs> zeros. It was you still got work to do. What do you need? How do we need to do it? What's the focus? So right. it's not a free ticket just to run around and do nothing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. You're right, because that's a very different situation when you remove a student for their behavior versus what they need to do to finish their academics. Because they don't always tie together, do they? Not at all. We have a lot of students that have behavior issues because of trauma or stuff they're dealing with outside. We only have them seven hours a day. We can't control the rest of their lives. So we really got to focus on those individual needs and You know, students nowadays, they've seen more before they turn 16 than we saw probably before we were 25. 
just because of the access to information that they have, but they're maturing way later. So what do they do with that information? So there's a lot there that we need to learn how to uh, work through with the students and intervene and provide a lot of uh, structure and support for them to be successful. You, you know, you, you say, keep saying things that pique my curiosity in the midst of, so you, you have kids that, in general, right? Kids that they know more, but they mature later. That's an interesting dichotomy. It is. It's, and it's so much information, a lot of negative information. Yeah. Yeah, always, that's right. Always, yeah. When I talk with my daughter, she didn't get her cell phone until she was in eighth grade and she didn't understand that. And <laughs> we talked a little bit about it and I said, I'm not really worried about you. I am. There's certain apps I don't want you to have on your phone. I just told her that straight up. Right. But my problem is, is the access other people have to her. And that's right. where we as parents, a lot of times don't think about how easy it is for a child to be contacted through their cell phone by strangers or by people that are bullying or cyberbullying or doing whatever. So that contact is quick and it's, it's easy for people to do without us noticing. So, you know, that technology side is a, is a real tough, um, tough situation to deal with because you can learn so much, you can use them in so many different ways, but then there's that negative side. That's a little tough. You know, that's a, that's a good point as well. You know, in, in the university world, for as long as I've worked there, it's, it has shifted from, you know, the family mailbox being the point of contact to the individual student. And, you know, if I'm talking to a 17-year-old about going to the colleges that I used to work for, it's very different than if I'm talking to the parents and the 17-year-old. And it's trickier because you don't quite know what the real situation is. Because at 17, your mind's all over the place. It's not necessarily as focused as you want it to be. Yes, sir. It's, it's a very interesting uh, to try to talk to students about where they're going and what they're, what they're wanting to do. I mean, it's the same, same issue we're having with teachers. You know, we got this teacher shortage. Well, young yeah. people that want to go into different professions, they want more freedom. They, they don't necessarily want to be nailed down to where they come home and grade papers till they're eight o'clock at night. So you really kind of have to rethink the structure of not only school for teenagers, but also the workplace for, for all the young people coming out of college. We really have to rethink, reimagine what a teaching position would look like. Now, how can we do that in the current structure and right. structure that we have? I don't know. I just know a lot of people are not coming into this profession and a lot are retiring. So we're all dealing with that, that issue right now. That's true. Like the generational gap of teachers, kind of like our the baby boomers, which were huge. Gen X is which is a lot smaller, a lot smaller. And then you have the millennials, which is bigger. So it's like a sandwich in between this transition. That's that is tricky because you're right. People have changed in that meantime. Absolutely, it's such a structured career that now, you know, even with the retirement changing, you know, now it's a shared retirement system. It's not the legacy system of pensions. So, it's, you know, people come out and look at that and it's not as attractive. So we really have to rethink the structure of not just salaries and benefits, but also just their day to day. What does that look like for a teacher? Because there's, there's young people that have gotten to teaching that I know personally who said, I can't leave school and go home and not do school. I have to go home and do the rest of my work at home. And they just don't, they just don't want to do that. They want to work during the day and then go home and have a different life. So, right. 
yeah, cutting out those little things, having teachers in my life for years, you see it and how hard they work and summer is spent planning, right? And then they try to kick it off. And as a new teacher, it takes a couple of years to get your feet under you. Absolutely. You know, it related to that. Um, I know you, you, you put in changes at, what was it? Uh, Upperman, Upperman high school. Yeah. And um, one of the things I found interesting within education is, you know, Hattie scale where measuring what's the most effective way to help kids and things like that. And one of the things I found interesting was the number one reason kids are successful is teachers self-efficacy, right? Mm -hmm. Teachers believing in themselves. And then they pass that confidence on to their kids. So with your experience as a principal working with your teachers, and now you get to carry that into the superintendent, what are you doing? What, what are you doing with the faculty to get them excited and, and just pull them back to that center of focus on believing in themselves and believing in the kids? Absolutely. We all know anyone who's been in a position like this or a principal, the success of any program is the person in front is that leader, that one that can really inspire and motivate students or teachers, depending on if it's a principal or a director of schools. And that's been my focus since, since I got this job, is I really want to inspire and motivate teachers. I want to motivate principals because I know principals, that's where the hard work is because they have a faculty. And you had mentioned earlier, Mr. Boyd will be on your podcast here later. <laughs> so here's a quote from him. He always said, you know, schools are pressure cookers. Mm. So you know, the principal, no matter what you have to do one day, you still are with them the next day whether good or bad. So I think that's a great analogy, but we know it's that person in front who is leading, who's inspiring and motivating uh, teachers or the teacher in the classroom, our best CTE programs are that teacher in the classroom Damn. who actively engages students and they want to be there. They want to be successful. They want this program to be the best, you know, in the state of Tennessee. What's well, the same with principals and that's my motivation right now. And my focus is I want to inspire and motivate the principals and the teachers to know that we're in a culture where we're going to be a team. We're going to love on each other until we're all successful. And I believe once you get that mindset in place, you know, we have prescribed curriculums and that thing to to help reduce variability. But I really think it's when the teachers feel they're a part of something bigger and that's and it's a service organization. Right. We're all in right. positions. So once they feel they're a part of something bigger and that they know that they can trust the person next door to them, that's when you start reducing variability from classroom to classroom. And when you have principals know that they're a team and they feel their director mm. of schools has their back because they know they're doing the right things and they're motivating their teachers and, you know, doing all the great structural things that make a school successful, right. reduce variability from school to school. That's where you're, that's where your success comes at a district level. So I really focus on that. And some of the things I do, like I spend my mornings, I don't even come in the office till 10. I'm out in school. So like this morning. Oh, nice. Okay. Out of elementary school. I have a rotation I do each day and I ate breakfast with preschoolers this morning. So that was a lot of fun. So each day I'm out at different schools, seeing what different teachers are doing, talking to the principal, having all those positive conversations and trying to inspire and motivate them to follow those structures we have in place that we know are high, you know, lead to the high reliable organization. But I do that every day. So I'm out in the schools every morning. Uh, I sit down, eat with different age groups of kids, whether it be third graders, seniors or preschool like today. I get sick from them, too. So, 
doctors back <laughs> at me about that, but I did get sick about a month ago. He said, where were you yesterday? And I said, I ate lunch with kindergartners. He said, that's where you got it. And I said, well, <laughs> great. So, but, but that's the fun part is being out there and being a part of the team, uh, being visible, letting them know I'm there to support them. I'm not there to zap everybody or gotcha moments. So I feel that's where the inspiration and motivation comes from. You know, I love that you do that. You get out, you get to see, you get to touch and feel what's happening. Um, someone's, if someone's complaining about the school infrastructure, you're like, well, I'm here, I'm looking at it and I see it. So to be able to see that and, and have people, when they see you seeing that, that's gotta be a very good feeling for you to know that, Hey, I, I'm, I'm paying attention because I care. Absolutely. It is totally the love side, the caring side. Um, for instance, yesterday I was at one of the high schools and we had this massive power outage in the county. Mm. I'm standing there with the principal when it goes out. So I get to see how the principal reacts, how the people react. They did wonderful. I mean, they just kept they just kept school going. There was no no panic or anything like that. It was just like, oh, no lights. Well, let's keep working on this. And it was great. So that's the part, that's the fun stuff I get to see in person is the success that everyone is is doing in the schools here in Cumberland County. It's, it's very impressive. Oh, I love that. That's got to just increase your confidence in your leaders too. be like, yep, here we go. And you've been in that shoe as a high school principal. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I've done middle <laughs> school and high school. So I've, I've been there, done that. So when we're talking and something comes up, they don't have to tell me why you just go do your job. I'll, I'll come back later. We'll talk later, but I know what you're going through and I got your back. That's the biggest thing is I always have my principal's backs. Oh, is, that's fantastic. Anything else you want to share with us before we just wrap it up? And I mean, I love to hear what you're talking about with your love for the teachers and the schools and that you have their back. And uh, you're, I mean, most superintendents tell me that, but the way you're talking about it, like being there, having their back, that it sounds like that's going to be a win for you and your district. Well, the number one priority is the kids' success, right? So, yes. I, that's my number one priority is the safety of the kids and their success. Mm -hmm. But what better way to do that? I can't do that my, by myself. So I have to support the people and give them what they need so the kids can be successful. So they benefit the kids immediately. And that's why that's my focus. So it's, it's a great thing, especially in Cumberland County. This has been amazing. Well, I really appreciate you joining the podcast. I, I think I say this at the end of everyone. It, it just goes by so fast, the time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and I'm sure you feel that way with even breakfast with, you know, the little ones today or was it today this morning? You had you just every day almost I have breakfast or lunch with kids. So, and it, you know, the the energy, the excitement. I mean, it's part of the reason I loved working with universities and, you know, as an outward admissions enrollment person for many, many years. I worked with high schoolers and sixth graders and getting them excited that that energy is contagious and it yes, just sir feeds your, you know, your desire to do even better, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because there is a business side that the director has to take care of. So absolutely. It's wonderful to get out in the mornings and know that that's where the benefit's going to be. So while I do the hard work and deal with some hard situations or some fun situations with communities and speak at, at rotaries and different organizations like that, that's all for the kids. So I, I, I that's why it's a great reminder for me to go out and like if I'm going to go eat lunch, I'll run out to a school and eat lunch there at school with the kids. I mean, that's just a great reminder to motivate me just to be better and do better in what I do as a director. So. I love it. Way. Well, hey, uh, thank you, Billy. Great to have your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. 
Thank you, sir. It's been great. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.